Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode six of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This is week after Memorial Day, uh, May 25th. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing for Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, Director of Communications for ERS and our executive producer. How are you, Kristen? Hey, Brian. It's good to talk with you today. I'm doing great. How about you? Good, good. It's warming up. Uh, the sun's been out a little bit more, so it's been a really, r- really nice week. So, Yeah, I took a peek at that weekend weather. It looks pretty good. Excellent, excellent. Well, let's move on this, with the show. Uh, the Linkage Podcast is dedicated to educating our audiences about issues revolving around aging and informing people about the mission of ERS and how that uh, mission comes to life in our in- everyday interactions with residents and families and staff. So Kristen, why don't you uh, tell us about what we've got coming up on today's show? Okay, Brian, we've got three guests with us today. We have uh, Dupree Cottages resident, Ruth Eisen, and we have Episcopal Church Home Board Chair, Rob King, and we have our President and CEO, Lar Lamb, who's going to give us an update. Well, once again, we've got some great guests and some great conversation on the way, so Uh, Why don't we start out with our first segment? Uh, Kristen, you want to introduce our first guest? Thanks, Brian. Yes, our first guest is Ruth Eisen. Ruth was born and raised in the Cincinnati area, has always lived in the Hyde Park area. She uh, is a lifelong member of Knox Presbyterian Church there in Hyde Park. Ruth moved to the Dupree Cottages in uh, 2000, I think she said 2011. So she's lived there quite a while, almost nine years, and uh, I've known Ruth quite a while. I haven't gotten to see her lately, and it was nice for us to check in and see how she's doing. So let's meet Ruth. Welcome, Ruth Eisen. Thanks for being with me today on the podcast. Thank you. So tell me, Ruth, how was your Memorial Day weekend? It was very nice. What kind of things did you enjoy this weekend? Well, I enjoyed most visiting with my grandson and his family on the television situation. Yeah. And I enjoyed eating my picnic lunch while my television was playing the Cincinnati Reds baseball game. Oh, I know that is your favorite team, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan, have you not? Yes, that's right. So, Ruth, what do you think of this situation with baseball? Should they come back and let the fans see the games, or should they wait? Well, what I understand was that the the, um, Reds baseball owners are having some kind of of a spraying the baseball field and seats and all that so that they can have fans there. The baseball players have voted not to return this year, and I don't like that. You still go to a game every year, don't you, Ruth? Yes, we get to go every year to one game, and mostly it's in September when it's not quite so hot. Well, hopefully by then that they will be back at it because by then they may figure out how to do it safely. 
Are there any Reds players that you're looking forward to seeing this year? Have they picked up anybody new? Well, we picked up second baseman from Milwaukee. Well, that sounds yeah. good. I bet they could have used that help. They've got a better infield. Maybe they'll have a better season this year. Well, I think they've got they've had a very good infield. And now they've got a whole different new outfield again. So who knows what's gonna happen. How's their pitching they, staff? I think they'll be more contending this year than they have been in the past. Well then I agree with you. Those are players need to get on board and figure out a way to do it safely yeah. and Maybe just do it televised so we can all just watch them on television. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's good. I know another thing that you really enjoy besides your Cincinnati Reds, Ruth, is uh, I know you enjoy yeah. reading. What's on your summer reading list? Well, just that one book. Um, you were telling me about one. It's called 40 Autumns. Is that right? 40 Autumns, yes. And it's written by a, a um, Secret Service person about a family divided between the Berlin Wall. It's mostly about this one daughter who dislikes the Soviet government and communism, and her father teaches communism, so she keeps running away from home, and he keeps sending somebody to bring her back. Well, that sounds like an exciting story, and that is a really great way to take your mind off the fact that we're all sort of in a holding pattern right now. Is, is there any advice you have for our listeners about how to get through these next uh, several weeks or months, however long this lasts? You just have to follow the rules. Stay distant and then take care of yourself the best way you can. Keep your mind and body occupied. And then somewhere along the line, this thing will be over. Well, that is what I'm looking forward to, Ruth, because I know you and I get to see each other probably every week um, when things aren't uh, the way they are now. So I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully in well, the me future. too. Yeah. And this summer, you'll have to, until the Reds start new games, you'll have to rewatch. I, I noticed they have quite a few old games on every once in a while. And between that and your summer reading, hopefully you'll make it through until we see each other again. Well, I think so, as long as you can make it through, too. I'm going to, Ruth. You gave me some good advice the other day. I told you I was going to hang in there, and you said, well, yeah, just as long as your arms don't get tired. <laughs> yeah, so, no, I'm fine. I love it. Well, thank you, Ruth, for joining me on this call today. And uh, until I see you again, enjoy your time in at the cottages reading out i i imagine you're reading out in the pavilion area go out whenever the weather's nice yeah i know that's where you're sitting out and you're reading your book and and that's how i'm thinking of you so until we yeah. meet again thank you ruth for joining me well thank you for inviting me yeah you bet ruth this has been fun What a great interview with Ruth Eisen. She's, she's so dear, and uh, to hear her talk about the Cincinnati Reds really has me dreaming of watching baseball again. 
I was really happy to catch up with Ruth and find out what she's reading right now. Summer reading lists are top of mind for me, and uh, it was just great to check in with her. Next up, we'll have a check-in with our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. I'm looking forward to hearing what she's been up to in the past week. It's always good to get that uh, update from Laura. So we're here again this week with president and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm doing great, Brian. How about you? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Had a great Memorial Day weekend and, uh, and a great start to this week. So how about you? Great. Very relaxing, low-key holiday. That's, that's the way, good way to kick off the summer. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that we have such wonderful stories, such great things going on throughout the organization. And this is probably one of my highlights of the week when I hear from you some of those stories. You know, one of the first things that I wanted to bring up was fact that the world's opening and and now uh, some testing is available and I, I think uh, the, some testing is starting at ECH. Can you tell all our listeners a little bit about that process down at uh, Episcopal Church Home? Oh, I'd love to. So Andy Brashear, the governor of Kentucky, is a very, very smart man and he understands that as we open up Kentucky and hopefully Ohio will be able to do the same thing that it's really important for us to understand what the actual number of cases are in particularly congregate settings, such as nursing homes, assisted livings, retirement communities. Mm -hmm. So Governor Bashir mandated that all nursing home residents, assisted living residents and staff be tested uh, by the state. It's on a um, state mandated schedule and that testing happened late last week. We tested um, well over 300 residents and staff mm -hmm. in the course of a day. Oh my gosh. Great an undertaking. They provide the tests, but our staff have to administer the test. Yeah. And go through training. The, the ECH leadership team did an amazing job mm -hmm. uh, doing that. And literally, as we speak, we are receiving the test results. So we will probably by the end of this day know how many residents and staff maybe have been asymptomatic. That's really Governor Bashir's really goal in this is that you've heard the data that unfortunately for this virus, it, mm -hmm. it sometimes goes undetected and people are carriers or asymptomatic, which is really troublesome because it's really easy to say, stay away from somebody with a fever and a cough and right. you know that. But if they're asymptomatic, we could right. be living and interacting with them and working alongside of them. So Governor Bajir is a smart man and he wants to make sure that we really have a good handle on what's going on in our communities across the state. Well, I think that's so important, particularly as the world starts opening up slowly. Uh, during that time. Have they talked any about frequency or how often they'll do testing or is that still yet to be determined? It's in large part yet to be determined because they really, they can't figure out who's going to pay for the testing. Mm -hmm. We understand as you do, Brian, that testing sends a false sometimes um, sense right. of security because it's only a snapshot in time. Right. What do I mean by that? You know, you could have the test on Friday and interact with someone on Saturday. Your right. test 
comes back negative, but you're mm-hmm. really, you're now, yep. because it's three days later, you do have it. So right. that's really going to be the challenge for our industry, for our organization, and frankly, our country, is that we have to figure out a way that testing can happen in greater society you know, we're, we're hearing talk about it needs to happen on a weekly basis. And wow. we're so far away from that right now. It yeah. just, um, it's a little bit overwhelming, but we yeah. will figure it out as an industry and as a country and an organization. I, I have no doubt about that. Well, it sounds like the ECH uh, team has done a great job in this first step. I can't, can't believe over 300 tests in one day. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. And some of the pictures of our you know, our nursing leadership team all, you know, donned with their PPE and it was just amazing. Just kudos and thanks to the staff that were able to make that happen. And so we literally had 48 hours notice, Brian. Wow. What a great team. For sure. Well, so on to some, some uh, good stories that have been kind of going around uh, the communities. I know that our affordable living staff have, have been trying to find some, some ways of engaging and serving our, our residents. Can you tell us a little bit, I think, about the story up at uh, Canterbury Court, uh, was it recently? Oh, yeah. I love it. You know, the theme that I'm seeing in all of our campuses with our staff is you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago at a staff meeting about reframing. Mm-hmm. So we're spending a lot of time focusing on what you can do versus mm-hmm. what you can't do. And it's amazing when you have that mindset, how the creativity can just flow. So the example at Canterbury Court is we're not allowed to have congregate meals yet in a senior housing um, area, mm-hmm. but... You know, I don't know about you, Brian, but one of the things I miss about being with you is that we would enjoy our afternoon coffee together, right? Right. In the office. So we both enjoyed that that kind of ritual that we had. And so our residents are the same. So instead of we can't have a meal program or we can't have blah, blah, Mm -hmm. the folks at Canterbury said, okay, let's focus on what we can do. We can serve our residents one at a time. You know, they could come down to a central place and pick up a, I mean, the pictures. I wish this were not a podcast because the pictures of these cinnamon rolls. Viewers, imagine, yeah. listeners, I want you to think of a salad plate. <laughs> <laughs> That's how big these cinnamon rolls are. They're they didn't huge. invite us. They didn't invite any of us. But yeah. no, they gave out cinnamon rolls, a nice cup of hot coffee, you know, the residents had masks on, the staff had masks and gloves on, so it was perfectly safe. And, you know, one at a time, they were able to engage with our staff, Teresa, and it was just beautiful. So again, she looked at it like, okay, we're not going to focus on what we can't do. We're going to turn this, we're going to reframe it and focus on what we can do. Well, that's wonderful. And I know there was a great great uh, story at Dupree Cottages. You know, our staff find such unique ways of working with our residents to engage them. Can you tell us a little bit about what they were doing uh, to, to engage some of our residents at Dupree Cottages? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, after dinner, there's a little bit of downtime and 
Um, summer is not the time that you want to rely on what's on TV, right? Right. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. So, um, the staff at the cottages have really been purposeful in trying to make sure that we're doing something that's engaging after the evening meal. And on one particular evening, they decided that they would make worry worry bowls. That's hard for me to say today. I don't know why. <laughs> worry bowls. And what is a worry bowl? It reminds me of when my kids were little, we had worry boxes yep. and we would, you know, write down what, what things we were worried about and we would put them in there and just let, you know, God um, kind of take care of our worries. And, you know, this is a um, difficult time for our residents um, at all levels of care. You know, our residents and our skilled nursing um, are unable to see their families as they would want to because mm -hmm. of the orders. And so um, the staff acknowledge that and, and understand that. And again, let's focus on what we can do. We can, we can talk about our worries. We can talk about what we're looking forward to when this is all over. And to take the, that concept and put it into an art project um, just is beyond creative in my opinion. It's just, it's just beautiful. Well, that's wonderful. Again, just hats off to the staff for working with the residents to really do some creative things with them. You mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the idea of reframing and finding ideas to kind of reframe or, or, or take our minds off of some of these challenging times. And I know you've really been talking with our staff and our teams about um, enduring through, through this challenge. And I know we're all kind of working on things to, to get through that. And, and you and I were talking and I, I thought it would be really interesting to share with our listeners, maybe some of the things that, or something that you're doing, you're working on to, to get through, you know, this period yourself. Okay. True confession period of the podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate you asking and I, I would love to share just because it may uh, spark something for someone else. Right. You know, I, I, I've never worked from home. Um, you know, if I had my preference, I would not work from home. Um, right. I enjoy being in a co collaborative environment with my peers, with our residents, with our clients and um, that's not in my home office, right? Yeah. And I, what I've learned about myself is um, I am very, I'm, a, I'm a, an achiever. I'm very goal oriented. And mm -hmm. so when I work at home, what I've learned is I see as constant reminders owning or owning an old speakeasy house that was built, you know, in the twenties, thirties Yeah. of all the things that are on my honeydew list, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> Our honeydew list. Yeah. And so I, I'm realizing that being in this house, um, my list, my things that I think I need to get accomplished during this pandemic is just has really created a sense of urgency and anxiety that isn't helpful to me, right? Yep. So, and lay on that, the fact that, you know, I went from being an empty nester to um, having a household of, of six people. And, right. And, and so this last two weeks, it really came to a head because, again, I was anxious about things that, frankly, 
you know, other people wouldn't worry about. And what, what are those? Like, you know, painting the wall that I stare at all day, you know, <laughs> you know, weeding the garden again, you know, yeah, all those yeah. things. And it was really kind of the, the, the reframing for me was really understanding that, you know, asking myself, what's the most important thing for me to do today? Mm-hmm. And, and, and in that kind of questioning myself, um, and asking that question, it was so obvious. You know, my daughter, um, I received a gift during this pandemic, and the gift was my daughter was home for 63 days that she never would have been home Yeah. Um, yeah. if it hadn't been for the pandemic. And I feel so blessed for that. Well, why in the heck would I paint a wall or weed a garden when I could be sit- sitting down enjoying her company when I'm not working? Right. And so it was really, it was really interesting for me to kind of layer those two together and almost just give myself permission to be present with her and know that all those projects were going to be there next week, right? When she was gone. Right. And I tell you, it's just really interesting. I don't know about others, but when you kind of think through, or in my case, talk through those things with yourself, it really can create such clarity that, you know, it's like, well, why, why was I all worried about this? And it just seems, it seems kind of silly admitting that to you all. Yeah. It really was quite helpful just to kind of give myself some grace and say, you know, Laura, you don't have to do this entire list by June 1st. What if you did two things by June 1st and then five things by July 1st as an right. example? Yeah, that's a wonderful sentiment, the stories to share. I, I think it's so important for, you know, we can't take on the world. So just working on one thing at a time and or focusing on one thing at a time and putting your, you know, as you did, time with your family, your daughter, um, I think is very wise. I mean, for, for myself, those relationships, you know, with my friends who are my extended family and, make, you know, just making sure I'm reaching out to them. Um, has been very grounding for me, even though I stay in touch with them fairly often, it just has taken on more importance even through this time. So that that's so true. It's that connectedness, isn't it? It, it, it is. It is. Yeah. So, well, Laura, thank you uh, so much for joining me this week. Again, it's, it's always wonderful to hear from you and, and get the updates about what's going on throughout the organization and, and hearing from you. Great. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you next week, Brian. All right. You too, Laura. Brian, thanks for that update with Laura. I always look forward to hearing what's uh, top of mind for her and what a great thing to be thinking about pacing. That is a really good strategy for keeping yourself going and keeping yourself on track. That was really important to hear today. Yeah, I, I always love getting those updates from Laura and checking in with her and and uh, and then just getting that that understanding of what's going on around, across the organization. There's just no shortage of great stories about our staff and residents and families. So it was, again, really good to hear from her. So next up is uh, my interview with Rob King. Uh, Rob is the chair of the ECH board. His mother uh, lives at Episcopal Church Home down in Louisville. So let's hear my interview with Rob. 
We're here with Rob King. Rob is a chair of the board for Episcopal Church Home down in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he's actually served on our board at Episcopal Church Home for about 10 years. His mother lives at Episcopal Church Home and has been there the last 11 years back in, in July of 2009. Welcome, Rob. How are you? I'm just fine. And she actually came in May of 2009, <laughs> okay. Who's counting? That, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, we've been doing this as a check-in for residents, but we thought, particularly with you being a board member and, and having your mother at, at ECH, we just check in. How are you doing? How's your mother doing right now? I am doing fine. Other, you know, I'd certainly like to see my mother after I haven't seen her in two months. She is not technically savvy, so she right. doesn't have a pad or, or even an iPhone. So right. we, we talk every day, Brian, but haven't laid eyes on her since uh, all this started several months ago. Sure, 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 sure. But you said you talked just about every day. That uh, is correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's great. You have that link going. I have my daily calls with my, my mother as well. So I've yeah. been able to can appreciate that. How has your, your mom been able to stay active, you know, and engaged at ECH? Well, she has been able to stay active and engaged by reading a lot. She's an avid reader, always uh -huh. has one or two books going, and reads the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Courier Journal every morning, cover to cover. And then through the kindness of the staff at ECH, she's been able to get out a little bit for short walks on nice days with one of the very kind either nurses or, or staff members who are willing to take her out. She's not allowed to go out unaccompanied. Right, right. Well, that's great. Has there been anything, uh, anything memorable like from the life enrichment team or the, the nursing staff that really stands out to you that they've been doing with your mother? Well, well, just their willingness and kindness to take to take her out. They're busy. Yeah. Uh, they're busy during normal times. They're particularly busy during this situation. So the just the mere fact that they're willing to put down what they're doing and get her outside for a, for some fresh air is uh, is very memorable. Is definitely the most memorable thing. Yeah, because it means a lot to my mother and to her uh, emotional health. Yeah, yeah, having some kind of activity and that engagement is so so important. As a board member and now now the chair of the ECH board, you know why are you so proud to be affiliated with with ECH and and even ERS? Brian, I am very proud to be affiliated for several reasons. One, the professionalism displayed by the staff during this pandemic, always being one step ahead of doing the right thing. And equally as important, Brian, is the kindness and compassion that it's all being done. That's what's so impressive to me. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it makes me very proud. We have been fortunate not to have any resident cases mm -hmm. uh, yet. Uh, you know, knock on wood, I yep. understand things can change. 
we'll certainly have to attribute some of it to just good luck. Yep. But 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 also to our talent intelligent staff and nurses knowing the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're certainly so proud of the team down there that works with residents, and uh, it's just a joy to, to have worked with them all these years, but also just seeing them get through this pandemic, this crisis has been simply amazing. So definitely proud on uh, on my end as well. Yeah. So, so Rob, just a, a question from you, you know, talking about crisis, you know, this certainly has been challenging for, for many of us, even not just our residents, but those of us that are our children and kind of hunkering down and getting through these up and down emotions of watching the news. Is there any experiences, you know, in your own life that kind of help you get through challenging times or, or maybe even more interestingly, is there anything that your mother may have taught you to kind of help you get through challenging times? Well, uh, my mother has lived through the depression. Yeah. She's lived through world war two. Right. She lived through the polio epidemic. So she's, yeah. she's seen a lot. Yep. And I guess just her optimism, things will improve. Yep. Perseverance. Frankly, I've never lived through anything like this before. Right. So I can't say I can draw on any previous pandemic experiences <laughs> to right. know how to act or react. I, I was very young during the polio Mm -hmm. uh, epidemic and remember it very well. It was scary times, mm -hmm. but I was five or six years old. And, but mm -hmm. I remember when uh, Salk, uh, Jonas Salk came yep. up with the vaccine right. and then right on the heels of that, uh, Dr. Uh, Sabin came up with an oral right. vaccine. But, mm -hmm. uh, but, but, you know, those were for my generation. Yeah. And, the closest thing that I can compare this to is on a very minor basis. Uh, under the previous, uh, this has never happened during the ERS affiliation, but it seemed like almost every flu season during the past administration, mm -hmm. someone would get the flu and they would lock down a wing or they'd lock down the whole Episcopal home and, uh, mm -hmm. and, we, uh, but, but it was nothing like that. It never lasted this long, you know, two weeks, yeah. three weeks, you know, right. at, at the max. Mm -hmm. And personally, you know, my mother was still going out anyway, whether she was supposed to or not, she, <laughs> she'd go out every day. Uh -huh. But, uh, but this is pretty, uh, pretty much uncharted waters, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly led to a lot of changes in our everyday lives. Yes. And certainly will be, you know, to some extent for a while from what, what yes. we're doing. So. Well, Rob, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we, uh, we've enjoyed having you. We're, we're so grateful to have you as a leader in our organization, and uh, I'm sure we'll catch up real soon. Well, I'm honored to be involved, Brian, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Rob. It was great to meet Rob virtually. I've never met him in person. Uh, Louisville is one of my favorite places of all our communities to visit. The, the staff down there is definitely 
uh, professionals, but also with a heart, you know, they're just some of the best people. Yeah, Rob talked so highly of the staff down there. And of course, we all feel so special about the the work that they do. And, you know, they're almost like rock stars in the Louisville area. You Everywhere you go, everybody talks about how great the team is down at uh, Episcopal Church Home. Well, Kristen, that's it for this episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, uh, our listeners can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have a lot of great content, including our Linkage Online blog, resources. We've got videos about wellness and other topics uh, around the topic of aging. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedback, we love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer. Our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, including uh, Ruth Eisen and Rob King, and of course, our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to our podcast again next week. Thanks so much, Kristen. You bet, Brian. We've got some great guests next week, so I'm looking forward to it.